How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Oh, hello, friends. <laughs> we want to bring up something special today that we're excited about. We're excited for 2021. Why is it, Greg? We're hashtag sponsored. Our podcast is finally sponsored. Which is rare for us. It's two and a half years in, and we honestly have never had a sponsor until now. Like recently. And uh, before we even bring up any sponsors, we honestly just wanted to say, like, thank you all for supporting the show so much that we have all you supporting. It has made it possible. And when it comes to sponsors, like, we're still testing this out. And it honestly helps if you just check them out, you click their links, you whether there's free trials or whatever. Just wanted to throw it out there that it, it is means a lot to us and that does like help our show continue. Yeah, it is the way that you can help us keep making these. And the first sponsor we want to talk about is Dashlane, which is something that I've <laughs> become obsessed with because I do constantly lose my wallet which truly loses <laughs> forgets everything. and also now that cash like doesn't really exist in the pandemic i have no reason to have my wallet on me and so i honestly never know where it is and so i don't i can't really ever put my credit card information into my computer i also have different logins for everything which <laughs> i am a mess so dashlane what it does is conglomerates all this information for you so if you go to dashlane.com slash asap science uh, just clicking that link, checking them out. Uh, you can get a free premium membership for a device there if you want. But just even going to that link and checking them out uh, and deciding if it's something that you want will really help our show. So now let's get into it. Controversial subjects with the facts can be tense. But we are a science here to make things make sense. Today, we are going through everything you could ever want to know about houseplants with our friend Nick Pelleggi, who is a house plant expert. We're going to talk about the impact of touching plants and whether or not you should be doing it, as well as the environmental impact of the houseplant industry. It's going to be really interesting, truly mind-blowing in some ways. Let's get into it. Mind-blowing in some <laughs> way. Well, I mean, we we, we already recorded the uh, Hangout interview, and it was. There are lots of things you learned that you didn't know, and I'm just saying mind-blowing for you, maybe. 
That's yeah, that did blow my mind. In fact, I have to, uh, you know, we're not going to spoil the lead here, but, but I got to change a lot do. of the ways that I'm <laughs> potted my current plants. That's so all I'm funny. saying. Mind blowing because it truly was like a moment where we were like, everything we've done is wrong. I know. And like those ones that I killed were for a reason. I'm so sad. Um, but we'll get to that in a minute. I wanted to bring up uh, the Mars landing. <laughs> Mars rover just happened and I feel like we we didn't really talk about it just because we've been like I don't know distracted and I'm like what do you think about it what do you mean we didn't talk about it we watched it and then you were like having an existential crisis oh but sometimes I realize in those moments that like other science communicators are so tapped into that oh you mean like, like didn't talk about it openly online yeah yeah we oh, talked okay. about it a little bit yeah. together but I meant I, I realize like maybe I'm not that into space science even though I am like there's so many elements of it that I am but maybe it's just because in general, I'm more fascinated by biology. Yeah. So there sort of was a bit of that conversation online. Like I would see some um, people being like, oh, I'm so not into this, but glad to know other people are. And yeah. Like, I have no nothing against it. It's not like I think it's bad or something. But, but there is also that other aspect of like it happened right as there was a national uh -huh. emergency in Texas where people don't have any water. And then to uh -huh. see just like the dichotomy Power. of like landing a yeah. rover on Mars is a bit of a talking point for, yep. you know, what is the purpose? And I know like people like Emily Calandrelli have like come out and explained why. Right. The importance of like funding into this kind of thing. And I do believe it. Like I, I hear both sides and I understand that it's a false dichotomy. We can care about more than one thing at a time. And yeah. The like, What's happening throughout the states in Texas is not because they invested in space exploration. If anything, it's because of the freaking politicians who have neglected the power systems for a long yeah, time. Yeah, so it's about I mean? like a power grid that like managed to not have federal people <laughs> regulated under to make God. sure it would work under those conditions. Like that's wow. Um, but I still I did have an existential crisis because I was just like. When I think about a robot landing on Mars so far away, it just puts that perspective of, wait, we're all just like running around on this earth, like <laughs> stressing about an email. And there's just like this thing studying Mars. Like what <laughs> is life? Yeah. And I also think it's so weird that the photos were like, this looks like snow in Toronto. <laughs> like it looked so similar in so many ways i think two parts of earth yeah. that it makes you realize like oh we're just on one of those like it does <laughs> it does put into perspective and i think that can be a really like intriguing aspect of why space is mm -hmm. so interesting to so many people and very inspiring in some ways and very inspiring because i mean it's fascinating to think like we as humans are smart enough to use the technology to do that one thing i will say is that one Thing I take one thing I will say is that one thing I is that one thing I just realized I'm like nervous about what I'm gonna say and I just kept like postponing uh, it with like uh, one thing I'll say. It bothers me when social when science communicators this is all they'll talk about with like yeah, so much so much energy. energy and then they will completely ignore something like, like the climate crisis, event, yeah. the Green New Deal, racial inequalities in their that's own true. country. Like that's that's the only reason that sometimes I'm just like that that I that that bit of that argument that comes out where it's like, okay, well You're able to be present when you want to be present. Yeah. Like you're able to talk about what to you think what you think is a really important thing. And it just so happens that you think this rover landing on Mars what I'm getting from your active 
like social media presence is that you do care about this more, which and I that, just think is a bit of an issue. And that you do use your platform when you want to. Because sometimes I think people get away with it by being like, I'm not really that on social media. But it's like there there are there's some people in my mind that are able to easily be on social media when it when it's something exciting to them. And you're right. It just, it's not, I don't know. Yeah. And, I, and to be fair, there are a handful of science communicators who talk about all those things, like do care about climate crisis, do talk about racial inequality. But there are also a lot that, yeah, are completely silent when it matters in those but, things. And I'm, and I'm just saying that I think is where the conversation comes around of like the comparing, which I don't think it's fair. Like we're suffering on Earth, yet this thing is on Mars. Like, like it's like they're actually completely not linked at all. But the only way I was able to like link them and kind of be a little bit like, hmm, was when it's like, you don't talk about one, but you only talk about the other. That was the only thing, but I actually think it's amazing. I really um, love to zoom out and think about Mars. Like I love the idea of knowing that an email is pointless. (laughs) Like I like, I like that can be very relaxing to me. And I think it's fascinating and so obviously impressive that like we were able to do that. And I'm excited for what, the information brings but i do also think like we are in a climate crisis and it's not going to help that and it's going to not be valuable information if we can't figure out how to you know get a green new deal okay let's move on <laughs> fair enough the baguettes hurry up oh what did we learn this week oh my gosh i, I like we're like just, fair enough the baguettes hurry up like that's so funny that's something that i have started saying that didn't make sense and i'm so glad that you say it the, i feel like you've said it for a long time now for everyone who's like what the hell does that mean isn't it like a reference to beauty and the beast but right? like in okay in beauty and the beast they go maurice the, the baguettes, baguettes hurry up. up and for some reason at one point i was like fair enough sounds like maurice yeah, the, the baguettes the hurry the up and i've said it in public and people are like oh, cool like that doesn't right, make sense not, like it to me feels like it's a massive cultural reference yeah, and, and then we say it and everyone's like what the fuck are you like, been about? stuck in this home with me and we haven't left and then now you're saying that and I'm like hearing it and I'm like that doesn't yeah, make sense yeah and I had the moment where I was like oh yeah people will get this and you're like no Mitch that's just the weird thing I say every now and then um, uh, so yeah. this week I learned about seaweed which is a plant Okay, <laughs> not a house plant. I mean, depending on what house. That'd be cool in. if you could have a little tank and just grow seaweed. A shrimp Does house, maybe. Do what do you mean? It's it's literally a fish tank. <laughs> talking but can about. you? Yeah. Do people have seaweed in their fish? Yeah, tanks? yeah. I think I think some cool. People do, so like, then it can be know, a house really plant. Rich, yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> um, so seaweed extracts create these things called hydrocolloids. Hydrocolloids, which you actually we're using recently when you made that plastic video about like mm. um, making your own plastic. So that, yeah. that was a seaweed aggregate. Yeah. Like, yeah. So it was alginate was like the powder we were using that is often taken from seaweed. Yeah. So that's like viscous, um, sort I was about to say taste because we kept eating it, but I'm like, it's not a taste, it's a feeling, but texture. like, yeah, texture, um, comes from large molecules that dissolve in water and they make, um, they're called hydrocolloids and they make that sort of feeling. And what I didn't realize was that that sea, those seaweed extracts are really commonly used as thickening agents in so many of the things that we eat that we think are being thickened through dairy. So like ice cream is really? because because dairy and these milk and egg products will go bad really easily they spoil mm. really easily so a lot of the time when you're getting that creamy flavor like even caesar salad dressing those types of things it's actually coming from seaweed oh that's so cool yeah and then i was like really like wait this is so weird looking into it and it's also what thickens our toothpaste oh what yeah because like, i was like toothpaste. Now i'm like what would toothpaste look like without it just more watery 
Well, yeah, and it's like obviously it's not like cream or like egg based, like in our <laughs> toothpaste, because it's, it's like mayonnaise in our toothpaste. <laughs> yeah, but it comes out as like a mayo vibe. Yeah, you know what I mean, like the way it looks. It's, like, it's like, like very thick. Yeah, so that's coming um, from <laughs> seaweed. Also, frosting, jam, and cream fillings, like. A cream filling in a donut will go bad quite easily hmm. if it's coming from these sort of dairy places. So there's also seaweed in that. Anyways, hmm. I was just thought that was really cool because I it kind of messes with your brain a little bit. Right. And seaweed is actually way more environmentally friendly compared to dairy. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not that these industries are not in any way doing this for environmental reasons. <laughs> it's purely so it doesn't spoil. But I just thought that was yeah. Really cool. When we had done that episode on you know making the edible plastic. And I was looking into it. It was like it. The, I I had known at that point that it gets used in a lot of culinary stuff because the bag I ordered of it was like this is food grade. It's used in kitchens. Mm-hmm. And I at the time I had read a handful of examples of like puddings and fillings, yeah, and all those kinds of things that it gets used in. But it never really occurred to me that there were things that I would just like casually. Yeah, eat. you don't even realize you are. Yeah, yeah. Cool. that's really cool. What'd you learn? So this week a new study came out that uh, studied the long term impacts of drinking energy drinks okay i don't drink energy drinks very often because in university i tried because i would drink tea or coffee to get uh, a kick off that but i feel like when i had an energy drink i honestly felt insane do you have you had them before but did you think it was placebo also known as placebo no i think actually it might have been so much caffeine that so what happened is i got energy but i couldn't focus and I think this has happened to me before when I've had too much coffee. Like you're awake, mm. but your brain is so jittery that to study on yeah. that, I was like, it is way too much for me to handle. Huh. I'm also like really sensitive to caffeine. Anyway, this study has been part of a really long longitudinal study. It's one of the only longitudinal studies on this, but they were following 900 people from birth. So they're not just studying energy drinks, but this was one of like the subsequent uh, things they looked into. Uh, and at, so between ages of 20 and 22, they would like, you know, interview these people, ask them about their energy drink consumption, their moods, all these things. And basically after controlling for all life factors as, as well as they could, they found that people who, or sorry, energy drink consumption is correlated with increased stress and in young adult males, depression and anxiety. Oh, wow. Isn't that intense? Their hypothesis was that it maybe alters sleeping behaviors or sleeping patterns. Um, Interesting that that hasn't been like associated with caffeine or coffee. I do think there's a lot more, a lot more research in coffee. And it is interesting because sometimes it's like, it's so good for you. And actually people have less depression and then others are kind of the opposite. Coffee kind of finds that, but that, you know, this is just one study in a mix of hopefully many more that will come, but uh, energy drinks obviously have more than just caffeine in them. And I yeah, they're a really easy thing to to go in on and absolutely drag. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm like, like, what this is the... is so much sugar, yeah. typically, like most of them. I can't and... believe I used to do Jaeger bombs, which is just like <laughs> Jaegermeister mixed with, with like Red, Red Bull. <laughs> and I love that it's like dangerous and we've done videos on it before and it's like about your heart and all those things. But even just the concept of that is so wild to me because, yeah, now and I'm so warnings. sensitive. It was like you... Like, I, I think energy... Oh, I thought you said they're rewarding. And I'm like, yeah, rewarding. after we would dance to Lady Gaga on the freaking dance floor like you've never ever seen. dopamine kick. <laughs> uh, no, there were warnings on energy drinks, at least at that time when we were when we were a youth. 
um, that said, do not mix with alcohol. And yet you could, that was like a really popular drink. There were, there were plastic cups made for it that were designed like a like, donut whoop. so that you would like, instead of even having to drop it in the glass, like at a university. They would, like, tip them or something, right? No, that there was the way that you put the shot glass in and tip them for yeah. sure. But at some of the bars in university, it was like a donut shaped glass. So the middle would be the oh, Jaeger and they'd pour the Red Bull around. It. So as you drink, it was like designed so they didn't even have to worry about the <laughs> oh thing. I'm God. like, wait, this is made to poison us cool that's wild it's like what who made those and obviously like that's bad for me that the only time i ever i honestly think the only time i've really ever drank an energy drink was when i was drinking, drinking at a bar at and like having it with alcohol yeah and being like i want to keep <laughs> and partying going to like class the next yeah. morning <laughs> my um Yikes. like nerd friends and i was like trying to be straight in high school and just like going from group to group being like who's gonna be the least mean to me <laughs> um but i went to like the nerd group and was kind of like I never had a video game system and I was not part of that culture, but they all drank this thing called Balls Energy Drink. What? B-A-W-L-Z, I Wait, think. Wait, are those the little ones? It's blue and it has this almost like ribbing on the side as if it's like a ribbed condom or like a dildo. <laughs> oh my God. And it was, it was really funny. Like they all felt like it was making their gameplay better or whatever. <laughs> and I, I think I remember drinking some of those and being like, oh yeah, I can kickflip on Tony Hawk Go too or whatever. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> to have an energy drink and then just like fully sit still. Also. That's I, I know. That's what they were doing was that's just like I pull guess, all nighters. I guess the weird thing is that energy drinks and even coffee are primarily used to sit, to stay alert. Yeah, right? it's like not to, to do more go work, and run, to study all night. But you would assume like to you need the energy to like physically do something. But it is interesting that. I would say the majority case people are like, yeah, it's like I was doing a kickflip, but by pressing Y on my Nintendo controller. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Don't even ask me to do a kickflip in real life. Although uh. I do wear skate brands. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. So I thought that was, study was interesting. The only caveat obviously is there's still figuring out, you know, correlation causation, but it was the first longitudinal or one of the only longitudinal studies looking at this. So more to be found. Um, let's get into houseplants, baby. Yeah, well, let's take a little break first and then we're going to be talking everything you need to know about houseplants. So as many of you know, recently I've been trying to get more physically active and healthy. I've always had different issues. There's always something going on. But more recently, I've had to focus on like protein consumption and my diet and my physical activity. And that's become a lot easier with today's sponsor, Magic Spoon. So Magic Spoon is a cereal that's zero sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, and only four net grams of carbs in each serving. Uh, it's only 140 calories per serving, and it's keto-friendly, gluten-friendly, grain-free, soy-free, low carb and GMO free. They come with a bunch of different flavors. There's a variety pack that has four flavors of cocoa, fruity, frosted, and peanut butter. They're honestly so yummy and it's nice to know that I'm actually eating cereal that is high in protein and it's going to be something that I've been trying to focus on. So it's been really helpful for me. It's super yummy. If you are interested in checking it out, you can go to magicspoon.com slash side note to grab a variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use our promo code side note at checkout to save $5 on your order. Also, Magic Spoon is so confident in their product. It's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money. No questions asked. Remember, get your next delicious bowl of guilt-free cereal at magicspoon.com slash side note and use the code side note to save $5. Thanks again to Magic Spoon for sponsoring this episode. Study time. 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 Nick, 
Pelleggi, we're so glad to have you here to teach us everything we could possibly ever want to know about <laughs> houseplants and plant care. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Of course. Thank you guys so much for having me. I think I discovered your YouTube channel. I know you have like an Instagram where you share lots of your plants and pictures and stuff as well, but I feel like it's been pandemic vibes for me because I, since the pandemic, have been more interested obviously in plants. I feel like a lot of people have. Have you found that interest or viewership has generally been up since the pandemic? 100%. I will not lie. It was actually kind of funny when like the pandemic hit. I feel like my like worst months were like March and April, like in like the whole time I was doing YouTube and then suddenly like May hit and I think that's like when the boom hit. So that was like my best <laughs> month. The like, when everyone was like, okay, I can't last any longer. I need some plants and I need some advice on plants. Yeah, it was like two months in, everyone just got like hit with that and it was just- A little I mean, spring energy. Exactly. They need to look after their children, their children that don't need that much work. <laughs> exactly. Before, okay, wait, before we berate you with like too many questions I, about plants, which were, where they're coming, I want, can you give us a little summary of like what you do on YouTube? What's your background in plants? Like, and yeah, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, I mean, so on YouTube, I literally just kind of sit and ramble about plants. <laughs> That's literally the only thing I do on my channel. I try to, you know, <laughs> I'm not educated in the sense of like a college education. I have all of my uh, learning from experience, which I think is very important when it comes to houseplants in specific. As a botanist, you would have to, of course, have the education, but just as a simple houseplant grower, really the best thing is experience. So no, I don't have any um, education, like I said, but I worked for a long time. Well, a long time for a 26 year old. So I worked there for two and a half years, <laughs> but it was- <laughs> You're 26, you're a baby. <laughs> <laughs> um, I worked as a plant buyer at a local house plant shop and I learned a lot there. I made some incredible relationships that I'm sure I will still hold in the future as I start my own journey in that uh, part of my life. But um, I do want to open my own store one day, but you know, the pandemic's going okay. on. So did you that always know that you were into plants like before you worked there? No. Well, you know, yes and no. So I grew up gardening, outdoor gardening with my father and uh, we never had house plants. I remember when we would go like buy the outdoor gardening stuff I would see houseplants and I'd be like I want that can we grow that and they'd be like no the cats are gonna pee in it so we just <laughs> never had houseplants ever and it, I actually didn't even get into houseplants until after I like brought back outdoor gardening into my life indoors so I started doing an herb garden in my home in college and my neighbor who actually ended up being a future roommate Another story for another day, but <laughs> she came to my apartment for the first time and the first thing she said was, why don't you have any houseplants? And I was like, I don't know. So I went and then it was a slippery slope from there. Um, ended up starting this YouTube channel kind of as a way to get my foot in the door since I didn't have any education. So um, I was at like a dead end job, let's say at a bar and I was very much looking to get out of it. So that was my stepping stone into working at the houseplant shop. And then from there, I was able to, you know, really hone in on what I wanted to do. And then that's why now I'm doing full time at home. So I absolutely love it. How, how many plants do you have? In okay. your home. I haven't counted in a little bit. I would it's more than 450. I, what? Uh, <laughs> I hope Wait, not are 500. you serious? Yes. I'm, I would oh. be like upset if it was at 500. I feel like that's a little too much. But um, I love oh that justification for yourself. <laughs> oh, 450. Thank totally goodness. Normal. 100. Now that'd be wild. Yeah. Oh yeah. my gosh. Okay. And <laughs> over the course of how long have you collected those plants? And 
How many have died along the way? Uh, so I started when I was 20, back when I was in college. And like I said, I'm 26 now, so it's been about six years. And um, a lot, I'd say more than I have currently have died. But like I said, that's where you learn the most. I think a lot of people like kick themselves so hard about killing their plants. But I'm like, no, that's how you learn. But that might also be because plants, like a lot of plants, collector plants cost a lot of money. So people might be like killing their like $250 philodendron. And that's something to kick yourself over. Whoa. But you know, if you start <laughs> off with just like a little $4 Right. Okay, it's wait. Two hundred fifty dollars. I have never spent that on a house plant. <laughs> I haven't either. Which one is that? Like, what is that? Why is it so much? Well, there's a bunch of house plants that have currently just like skyrocketed, and this is something that really has only happened since like March, April, May of last year, as we were talking about with the whole house plant boom. So um, there are a couple. The most notable ones that like are like most well known for being expensive would be the pink princess philodendron, which is like a pink variegated plant, which is kind of silly in my opinion because there's plenty of other pink plants out there. But this is one plant people are like, I'm gonna spend <laughs> top dollar. I thought I sold it inexpensive when I worked at the houseplant store for $125, but oh my um, gosh, and a, how big is it? A little tiny four-inch like plants, like oh, a, a, like. Wait, I, I don't have like a good example around me here, but like three little leaves. Oh, oh my gosh, I love that. I did not know that because I don't like when I shop for houseplants. I don't. I'm not versed enough to know. Like I'm more talking about like environment or whatever. Like I'm not no, but like there is actually like one day I might be like, what about that one? And they'll be like 125 smackerinis. <laughs> like. <sighs> Little baby that's birds. so weird so there's trends there's there is trends, trends that and that's something people hate but it's just like it's it's something that exists trends exist in everything so it's just something but i do want to mention too there is another house plant that it's a variegated monstera i don't know if you guys are familiar with like the classic swiss cheese yeah, plant or monstera. they kind of have like the holes in them yeah, yeah. oh so yes, yes 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 the variegated version of that sells for like over a thousand dollars and if you get like a different sport which is just like a different version of the plant like maybe it's got yellow variegation or i found one when i was working at the house plant store with green variegation and those kinds of plants would sell for like over two thousand, three thousand, maybe even four thousand dollars. Okay, wild. We need like a best in show type movie about <laughs> people like trying to figure out how to like find or like maybe there's like some sort of like you know financial like drug lord energy to these plants. That's so interesting. That's so expensive. So I don't get it either. Like I am in deep, as you know. I like am surrounded by plants. This is what I do. But I've never spent more than a hundred dollars on a plant before. Yeah, I don't think I could because of that fear of killing it. Mm -hmm. Like, just I, like, not even fear, but just like, you know, like, that's such a, like, the stakes are so high. I Maybe know. if it was huge, a huge Because even you've said yourself, like, as a plant, someone who knows a lot about them, like, it's not inevitable that, like, you will still end up killing plants because, like, the environment might not be right or X, Y, Z. So it is like, even when you're so experienced, there's still a risk that that plant's going to die that's cost you thousands of dollars absolutely these are things that should be grown in botanical gardens the home is the worst place to grow house plants think about it it's not outside it's not a tropical environment like you can put them outside for the summer like i have a couple house plants i'll put outside for the summer that need a little bit more attention or i'll put things inside glass enclosures or like cloches to cover them up to give them more of that greenhouse effect but um no all these plants that people are dropping like a bunch thousands of dollars on these are things that should be grown in like botanical collections Oh okay, gosh. questions. Here we go. <laughs> what would you say are the main issues you see when people try to keep can uh, plants alive? So it's like 
What are your sort of go-to like don'ts? Like don't do this, don't do that before we get into the do's. Yeah, I mean the the two most important things I would say are light and water. I would say always more light than you would expect because like I said, the home is the worst environment. Like our windows mm. are really the only space that you should be growing <laughs> houseplants. But you see behind me with all these plants are literally illuminated by grow lights, which is how they grow. They're, if I didn't have a grow light there, the plants would just wither away. Um, so more light mm. than you would expect, and then less water than you would expect too, in the same mm. time. So like more light and then less water than you would think. Of course, that's you know subjective because like ferns do not want a lot of light and they want a lot of water. So there's like, of course things, but I would say my rule of thumb, when I get a plant, if I'm worried about it, I just make sure I'm giving it enough light from a window and I'm not overwatering it. Okay, that's so interesting because I think recently I had a pretty good track record with house plants and then recently bought a bunch uh pandemic energy. The way of like <laughs> I did, but I guess what everyone else did. And I think I killed three from overwatering, which I'd never done before because I was just watering every Sunday. And I think what happened is it was right when winter came. So is that a, that's a serious thing we have to think about is when winter comes, you hold back watering. I think that's what happened. Yes, um, there are a couple plants that forget into like the nitty gritty that are winter active and some that are more summer active. Um, that's more with like in succulents that are more winter active. It's like they're absorbing all of that summer energy and hot sun, but exactly that um, nine times out of 10, you want to water less in the winter time because it's just going to get cold and wet roots and wet feet and nobody wants that so how like how much less on average like what do you do when winter comes like do you really scale well, back it, it's once again it's like different because i have south-facing windows in my home so the sun is so low in the sky that my plants dry out so much quicker in the winter time as well as the fact that the heat kicks on and the humidity kind of drops because of that. So it is once again, something very subjective. But if you just live, I mean, like I've all my other apartments that I've ever lived in with houseplants was not like this. And I would say on average, if I was watering a plant once a week in the summertime, I'd be watering it probably every two weeks. But once again, okay. it is all subjective. How oh my gosh, on okay. earth do you keep track of watering your almost five, <laughs> not, not 500. Not but, quite 500. But somewhere <laughs> under 500 plants. <laughs> Yeah, um, so at this point, I feel like we have like this like symbiotic language where they like speak to me and they tell me when it's time. But when I was in my first couple of years, I kept a spreadsheet and I kept the spreadsheet that would what? say the scientific name of the plant, the common name of the plant, uh, when I got it, just because I liked to know that because, you know, these things add up fast yeah, sometimes. Track, yeah. And then, of course, when I last watered and when I last fertilized. Oh wow. my god, organization station yeah, over here. I do not, I do not, I mean, you're helping me with an experiment that people will be able to see pretty soon. Um, and I, so I was like managing 10 plants and barely having to manage them because they were in complete darkness. That was the whole point. But I still was just like, wait, I can't keep track. This is too many. I cannot imagine having that many plants. I would uh, love to have that many plants if they could magically take care of themselves. Yeah, well, you just have to get them to speak to you, Mitch, and That's tell true. them that 
It's not as much work as you think. Like I swear. I I mean I probably have like one day a week where I spend like an hour ma maximum, like going around just like watering nice. everything. But like I said, a lot of these plants like can visually like look droopy, or a lot of them I call it my taco test, which I should trademark. But um, it's where <laughs> you would take a leaf and you would like f try to fold it up. Like I'll grab this little like hoya right here, and you would try to fold the leaf up. I don't. I know it's so dark. You can barely see, but if I was trying to fold the leaf up like a hard yeah. taco shell, if this plant was to need water, um, Hoyas, Peperomias are ones that I use a lot of these for, and those are plants that are very prevalent in my home. Um, I know once it would fold up without breaking that it's like time to water it because it okay. would lack the succulents from being dry. So that's like oh. my surefire way to know I'm not going to overwater them without having to stick my finger in the soil or like really do anything other than just right. Oh my god, so folding it and it doesn't like break. Yeah, well, I mean, I wouldn't like, you know, I can tell with that Hoya, yeah, I yeah, couldn't no, break it at all. But that's kind of like tell. not what I immediately yeah. thought you were going to say, because actually the fact that it would like more quote unquote break is showing that it's like full of water and has, is more yeah. like robust and mm -hmm. like turgid. And plants oh, like Hoyas and Pepperoni cool. is like want to be dry. So if, if you overwater the pepperoni? them, like, What's like, the pepperoni? <laughs> the pepperoni? Imagine we were like, those aren't plants, that's pepperonis. Yes, yes they're, I love that. I would hear that Imagine a lot of the house Imagine we all just store. found out that like pepperoni grew on plants. <laughs> we were like, oh, it's vegetarian? Yeah, well, pepperomias are in the peppercorn family. So they're very, oh, yes. okay, okay. Wow. Like, Your face is in... so mad when I said pepperoni. Like, I fucking heard I'm this sorry, from every it's like things that you hear pot. all the time back when I was in the industry, so. That's oh, uh, so they're like being all those so smart. There's all those like TikToks of people who have to like work at um, any retail store or grocery stores and hear the same jokes like constantly over. Mm -hmm. Okay, <laughs> I have a, a question that's based on my study for today. Okay, yeah. So I have been I, I sort of am minus you helping Mitch with these plants. Been I'm sort of the plant guy in oh, the yeah. home. That's the premise of the video. Yeah, I've never <laughs> yeah. taken care of a plant in my life. I need like the lowest maintenance plant, please. <laughs> And in a pandemic with lots of free time and some might argue lots of depression, I've been <laughs> petting my plants. Like I like I water them and then I uh, stroke them. Maybe there's some weed involved. Some sism music is playing. And of I course. like try to like I think I'm helping them by touching them to take the dust off because I had read somewhere at some point, I think once. And this is what I'm challenging today this concept that the dust grows on these houseplants. And so you need to take the, the dust off so that photosynthesis can happen more effectively. So I like to now do it leaf Essentially. by leaf. <laughs> so then I was reading this week about a study about touch signaling within plants. This was the tail cress, which isn't a houseplant, but it was really cool. So it was about how like plants actually respond to mechanical stimulation, which is touch. It has a cool name, thig thigmomorphogenesis, which is like- That's like what they do when someone touches them? Yeah, what, it's the they... name of the process of chemical cell signaling that happens when oh. they're touched. And it can induce a stress response, which will actually slow down growth. And so this study, what they did is they touched um, this specific tail crest, also known as Arabidopsis thaliana. That's its pepperoni name. <laughs> <laughs> they touched it um, with a paintbrush, a specific leaves, and they test it 30 minutes after, one hour after, three hour, three hours after, and six hours after. And they did find that this like uh, 
chemical stress response was highest at 30 minutes after it would slow down growth they would have a mitochondrial functional cell signaling that would essentially make it seem like the plant was like getting ready for a perceived pathogen attack oh and then God. i was like wait sh am i <laughs> okay should, should not i not be touching these plants and like i thing. here i am thinking i'm having a moment with them but they're actually <laughs> screaming like um there's you're literally trying to attack us we hate you so I'm, I, I know that like this is a wild plant, so it's not going to have to deal with that issue of dust most likely because there's wind and all these other factors in the wild. So what is your like thought process around cleaning, touching these plants versus not? Yeah, well, that's that's fun that you say that. There are um, houseplants that do respond to touch and it's like negative, like it's their way of like uh, protecting themselves. Really? So the most uh, popular one would be like the sensitive plant, which is the mimosa tree. If you guys have heard of that, I want one so is bad. I've been going all over. Yeah, and you can't get them. Well, I don't would bother. It's they're, like an exotic plant. It's a waste right? of money. The, I mean, wait, okay, wait. Why? There's like I've always wanted this plant, and I've been I've been calling different places and like Instagram DMing, and they're all like, "We don't get them. Like you have to come quick when they come in." They're two thousand dollars. That's why. No. <laughs> One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, What the f? are you talking about you insane hollywood ass so to recap we're cutting the price of mint unlimited from 30 dollars a month to just 15 dollars a month give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch 45 dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees promote for new customers for limited time unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows full terms at mintmobile.com uh, they're not <laughs> <laughs> they look like 15 so wait, oh. why why are they overrated? They respond to touch. Well, I mean, that's the they are tree sapler like saplings or seedlings. I don't know what the correct word is, but um, they uh, are just not suitable house plants. They are just oh. kind oh. of for fun. Like in my experience, it dies easily and it gets it's very because it's not really a house plant they're like extremely susceptible to pests so it's like a magnet mm. and they just like come out of nowhere from like through the really? vents and like the cracks in the windows so that's just wow. my experience oh, with plants like that but not only that it's like you touch it and it reacts and that's the whole thing that you want to do but you're like you're not supposed to do that i had a manager when i worked at the plant <laughs> store and he would like yell at people and be like stop touching the sensitive plants. oh my god you're like yeah it's panicking it's literally the passive response that's so funny it's like you're abusing the plant yeah but to the cleaning aspect it is something that i've noticed um there are some plants uh specifically the ones that seem to have like larger leaves um and the thicker leaves like i have um a ficus elastica which is um a rubber tree and like if i like i have it literally in like my walkway and i'll like walk by it and like the leaves get like damaged and that's something I don't like. And I think that happens with like my ficus lyratas that I used to grow as well. So it's just kind of something that they don't yeah. respond well to it. But ficus are very like finicky plants, but they're also very popular. So so, so do you, but are you conscious of the dust? Like, is that a yes. myth that I've created? No, that is a thing. Yeah, I dust my plants probably not as much as I should because of the sheer quantity. But um, I do just take like a, dry paper towel and then I'll just like give them a quick wipe and then I'll 
get a damp one afterwards just so I'm not like caking the dust on there. But that's just because it's a me problem because I don't dust them very often. So it's usually like a whole layer of dust. A layer. Okay. Yeah, but um, you know, with houseplants, nine times out of 10, I would say it's not really an issue. I'd say it's just like specific ones, like I was saying, like the sensitive plant's not gonna like it. And the ficus that I grow don't seem to really like it. And they just get like ugly looking. Wow, that's so interesting. Because, yeah, now also, I've started to think about it as I touch them. I'm like, it's oh, probably a trade-off, too. You're like, fine. even if you're... I doubt you're hurting them that much. And even if you are causing a stress response, you're also helping them in what... Like, in a way that they are indoor plants, they're going to get dust. They can't... So, no, what else this study found was that the stress response would decrease the more they did it. So, this the plant actually, like, to adapted to it. Oh. And that's another question I have is that our fig... You told me once that you're supposed to shake the stem because it's well, like... Well, I didn't, like, tell you. I just was like, <laughs> oh. I, saw, I saw someone say that often. Yeah, sorry, like, <laughs> shaking the stem. But it, but to me, it made, like, sense from a scientific perspective because it, this plant would be out in the wild where there would be wind. And then that shaking, apparently, the thought behind it is that thickens it the thickens stem. the yeah. stem. And is it is, true? like, a gotcha. more realistic interpretation of the outdoors. Is that true? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, from a scientific point, I don't really know, but I would say that sounds kind of overkill to shake the yeah. trunk. <laughs> I was I would, doing it for weeks. <laughs> well, what I would do is what I, in my bedroom, um, we have two cats. My roommate's cat likes to chew on some of my plants, so I keep a lot of plants in my bedroom with the door closed, and I keep a fan on in there, and so the plant leaves are always moving, and I feel like that kind of like simulates like, yeah, what you're talking yeah. about. Okay. Yeah, because so. I don't like the fig leaf is ever like being aggressively shaken in. No, and figs are so finicky. I feel like you would just like knock the leaves off. They would just pop. It's like just I said, if you just like touch them, like literally, we just had a couple leaves pop off recently because we just are always walking by it. And it's just, oh my gosh, oh, I'm panicked about this study about touch. Made me freak out this weekend. I've been really rubbing down our fig because I'm like, this is you know, this is an this is an accent piece in our home. And now I'm like, some of the plants are falling off, and I'm like, is it because I'm petting it too much? Like, oh my gosh, it's so stressful. Oh, but wait. also very calming. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. You have two cats. Do you have to worry about them eating the plants at all? Um, so my cat, that the plants came first. The cat came second. And she's actually right here. Oh, my goodness. Hello, sweet. Like, oh, hey. hi. Hey. She's heard. a little teeny black cat. Her name is Muffin. As you but say, I use the plants came first. The she's cat like, came second. <laughs> she's listening. She's so good. She does not mess with the plants at all. She, like, just doesn't even seem to notice them. My roommate's cat does seem to notice them, though. Um, the plants that I keep around aren't, like, fatal. I have, like, two euphorbias, which are, like, the most poisonous plants I have in my home. They're shoved in, like, the back corner of my windows. Like, they can't get to them. Um, okay. He will, like, chew on, I'm, like, looking around to see. Uh, he'll chew on, like, I have, like, a Monstera that he'll, like, chew on occasionally. But because they're just, like, small nibbles, it's not really going to, like, I don't have to take them to the vet. I don't have to worry about it. Like, they have calcium oxalates in the leaves, which are, like, these, I'm sure you guys know more than me. But, like, they're, like, little glass shards that are basically oh. in, oh, oh. Oh. No, I didn't well, know there was glass shards in any of the yeah, plants. Yeah, so they're like my microscopic glass shards in like the sap. Wow. So that's like what's not good about the like cats or animals getting it in their mouth. And they usually learn pretty quickly. Like that's not something I should eat. Some of them are pretty relentless though. So like if the plant the cat ate like a whole like branch of, of philodendron, <laughs> it would probably throw up. It would probably throw up a couple yeah. times. Yeah. It probably isn't going to die because it's not like a fatal instance. It's just its stomach is going to be irritated as well as its mouth. Right. So it just might seem, but I'm not saying, <laughs> please take care of your cats, people. Like, yeah. Don't freak out. On this like, podcast. <laughs> don't freak out. Like the cat's going to be okay. If you're terrified, take it to the vet. But um, I keep 
on the floor, like pet safe plants, like I have calatheas on the floor and Denver's like a magnet, to, my, my, her name, his name's Denver. So uh, he's like a magnet and he'll just like chew the whole circumference of the leaves and it looks like crap, but one day he'll be gone and the plant will have its time to shine. <laughs> oh my God. Well, she's moving out like... this year, not that he's going to die. Oh, <laughs> one day this cat's gonna croak and die and then the plant then will be I'll fine. And I'll finally be able to like, come back and thrive plants. after the death of this mammal. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> no, absolutely not. Oh my gosh. Okay, yeah, no, I'm I'm still in awe of like how many plants you I, I guess like actually we don't we have a good amount now, especially since the pandemic. And you do a really good job of it. Oh my god, but it's next to four fifty. It's like Oh yeah, next to four fifty. No, honestly, I think more than one is a lot to take care of. So Okay. Yeah. Well, I thank you. Well what like where would you start with somebody? If somebody was like, I'm a new plant, I want to get into house plants, where do I start? Well, that's a good question because I would want to know, first of all, like their home environment as well as their like temperament. Like I would always recommend a ZZ plant because I always say if you water it uh, more than you pay your rent, it's too much. But some people want to water a house plant more than they pay their rent. So that might not right. be a good example. <laughs> Although it's indestructible, it just might not be what some people are looking for. Because you could you could overwater that plant. And well, you could, yeah. If you wanted to water something every day, like I would dare yeah. to say maybe you should grow a fern because, you know, <laughs> something I don't want to grow because it would just fall in the mess of my plants and I'd find a dried yeah. up piece of trash one day. But um, <laughs> so, you know, everyone's different, but it really just definitely depends on what the lighting conditions are in their home as well as mm -hmm. their temperament, like I said. Like who they are. Oh, wait, yeah. I have a question about potting. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Potting. Hello, Mr. Potting. Okay, so I have this idea that you have your plant that you buy. It's in its little plastic container. And I'm always like, okay, so I'm going to buy something at least sort of double the size as a pot that I'm going to put it in. And my concept is that the roots are going to expand. This is going to allow it to grow and thrive. And I never really think anything about it, whether it being smaller or bigger. And I found that a couple plants that have died that I think from overwatering, it was almost like the roots never got into the potting soil. It was like, they just kind of like, it, it felt like when they eventually died and it pulled out the root system. I'm like, why didn't these roots go anywhere? <laughs> like they didn't go into the soil. Is there any tips you have about potting to either make sure those roots actually get into that extra soil that you've put in or like ways to think about it. Cause that's just the way I thought about it. And it didn't seem to work recently for me for some reason. Yeah. I mean, all plants are different. Um, if you're working with a plant that has a little bit more of like a meaty root system, like the ZZ plant or like a pothos, um, these are things that you could probably go maybe like two inches in diameter larger with the pot. Uh, that you're planting it in. And then you always want to like loosen up the roots that are coming around this, like the perimeter of the, the, inside the nursery pot and that's just going to help them kind of explore how do you I, do that oh just like, you, you, just, you can like, mess with them it? oh you can totally mess with them they're not going to just like if, if you knock off a couple roots it's fine it's fine so you like take it out of the plastic container and literally like yeah it's just, like, i usually just like we'll open up the whole thing i'll usually like like uh, kind of tear it open from the bottom a little bit if it's like a like a very tight uh root system but also speaking of which if it's uh like more fine root system like if they have like more lacy roots like i don't know ferns uh Pepperomias, pepperonis, pileas. <laughs> you can uh, just tell the root system is just more fine. Well, you would, if you took it out of the pot, like uh, like the ZZ plant has like these chunky roots, like you would see very clearly. But if you were to take, take a pepperoni out of the pot, you wouldn't really see any roots like that. Like it would all just be like kind of like little lacy bits going all throughout the soil. So um, those kinds of plants want to stay smaller 
and you might not even need to necessarily repot them and they might do better if you just kind of leave them be because they're more used to those settings but um I leave them go... in the plastic container. Yeah, yeah, you can leave them like the the pepperonis I leave. I've literally always was... assumed you put it have to put it in something bigger or it's gonna suffer. No, I'd wow. say the most important thing is to let your plants acclimate to your home. So when you bring them in your home, let them sit for like two weeks in the setting that you want to have because oh mind you, they're coming from like the nursery, so you don't want to just like put it on like. A dark kitchen counter for two weeks to acclimate like you want it to be like in a good spot um and then once it's acclimated like it's probably gonna drop a leaf or two or maybe once you start to see like some new growth coming in then i would recommend going ahead and repotting it just to oh my insert. gosh i have never like, yeah, I done that like, i feel like i've seen people like often would just put um like the plastic container inside of a nicer you know oh yeah you can absolutely whatever like that yeah, that's called a cash pell or a cash pot. Um, it's just a planter without a drainage hole. You never want to plant in a planter without a drainage hole. If you ever see I to put stones in, it's a myth. I put, I put, oh my God. Okay, now I just want to throw myself off this. So here's the issue with that. They're just going to, the water is just going to sit down in the stones and it's just going to get gross and it's got nowhere to go. I always recommend drilling. I've never broken a pot. I've drilled into hundreds of pots. I've never broken one. Really? Okay, just like so, a single, a single hole out the bottom? Or yeah, like yeah. And then you use, um, I, I just, one in the bottom, I literally just do, a, it's a glass and tile bit, but I think people probably play it safer with like a, the diamond saw tip. But I just, yeah. I, like I said, I've never broken one. Then you have to put it on a tray. Yeah, but you, you can just get like a nice plate from the thrift store. I don't know. Yeah, okay, okay. No, this is very interesting to me because I, know, I, I just didn't know that either. dispelled this myth on this podcast, even on this podcast, and I've been dragged <laughs> because I was always getting my rocks, putting them at the bottom of my pots, not having holes in the bottom. That's not something I've ever relied on. Just putting, repotting the second I brought those plants home. <laughs> I'm rethinking everything right now. So, don't necessarily no, repot immediately. I feel like that's like a myth that like BuzzFeed would make or something. Oh but. my right, god, I don't like, want to be BuzzFeed. BuzzFeed. <laughs> I'm BuzzFeed. I'm a millennial oh. piece of shit. Oh my god, stop it. Um, <laughs> if you need to plant into something that you like don't want to drill into it and you absolutely have to plant into it, I'd say do like a quarter inch of horticultural charcoal in the bottom of the planter. Um, and that's it. And then just like use your normal potting mix and then be very mindful of the amount that you like plant your you water like because that's going in there it's not going to yeah, drain it's just okay. sitting there so what wow. can suck it back up do? oh it's just gonna keep it clean on the bottom like instead of the rocks oh, it's just kind of sit and get gross okay. but the charcoal yeah. it's it's going to the soils also because it's so fine it will kind of like mesh with the charcoal down there so it won't be just like an inch of rocks it'll just be like a little bit of charcoal and then that'll keep any water that's at the bottom clean and then the water can still be reabsorbed back up into the plant and then just None be careful None of these plants in this room have a. They all have rocks in the bottom of their pots without holes. <laughs> well, you know I've had some they, for years that are fine. Yeah, like yeah, they are yeah. the way they are. I think I've obviously found an equilibrium with them. So if it's working, yeah. it's like keep it. But I'm just not watering forward, them too much. Exactly. Yeah. My issue. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Oh my god, I know. But now I'm just like, oh my lord above heaven. Oh, mercy. it's fine. It's fine. <sighs> okay. I'm going to touch on the research that I did. Mine's not a specific study, but first, I, I wanted to get your thoughts on some of this stuff. So, A, I did not realize that the houseplant industry in America is like almost $2 billion a year, which is insane. And it's definitely like exploded since the pandemic. Um, and then I was finding all these companies. Like, have you heard of The Sill before? I have, yeah. So, I guess there's like that's in America. There's another one in the UK. What's I, that? So, The Sill is basically 
a company it's like an online e-commerce company where you can like order your plants from so instead of like going to a store it's like meant to help people who maybe are like totally unfamiliar it's very like millennial like easy you know like that kind of like aesthetic of like you go and you can pick your plant and they have all these like pink little pots and blues and, yeah, totally. and ceramics um, this one company had started just the still started in 2018 they raised five million dollars to start and then they sold a hundred thousand years of that plant like oh, sorry a hundred thousand plants that year um so i'm just like curious what your thoughts are about like these companies that have started this business uh and is that interesting obviously maybe it makes it accessible to people who don't have super easy access to places but in another way maybe it's like kind of just fall, falling off of trends and I don't know. I'm curious what your thoughts were on that. Yeah, like a company like that, I feel like is just kind of like a stepping stone. Like whether you're buying a gift for somebody, it's got everything covered. Or if you are just getting the house plants and you just kind of want like the a dynamic duo to start out with or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're all like tried and true that they sell. So it's, you know, it's a great like stepping stone, like I said. Yeah. So that's kind of just that. They're... Are a lot of um, e-commerce things going on with houseplants lately? I think that's sorry. I hear I can't tell if there's a sound going on. I can't tell if the cat's like chewing on something. Oh, he is. He's chewing on the jalapeno. <laughs> we just watched. <laughs> oh, he's oh, right no, there. It's only at four hundred. He's got his face. He's licking his lips. He's like, I've been chewing on that plant. But I'm gonna go the action, up. National Geographic. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm sorry. That just totally threw me off. The e-commerce. Oh, no, no. E-commerce. Okay. So <laughs> that's been something that's been like kind of abused lately. Like. Um, uh, Etsy and things like that. I've been noticing like people will go to their local like Home Depot and like purchase, I don't know, like a, a, a pepperoni, a pepperoni. They purchase a <laughs> big, they'll purchase a big eight inch pot of a pepperoni. That kind of sounds dirty, but that, I, you know. um, and then <laughs> they'll separate it <laughs> into like four inch pots that you would normally see. And then they would resell them on their Etsy. Wow. And they paid like $15 for that eight inch pot. And then they're just kind of straight up repotting them, which, you know, some people could say it's a way of making money, but it's a little bit different than when you buy in as like when I was a buyer, like I would be buying an established plants that were like bought in. Like, I just feel like it's like malintent. Like it's just, you know, right. it's just not More something that's my, I don't support yeah, it. I openly don't support it on my YouTube channel, okay. but people can do whatever they want though. I was yeah. curious, <laughs> even with these companies, I'm curious, and even with your experience, like just working at a plant store, like what does the industry behind the curtain look like? Like, are there factories of people just growing these plants? Like, are you know, are they coming from specific places? Do you have to reach out to, you know, exotic like locations for exotic plants or, you know, like we, we sort of slowly learn about like how agriculture works and how there really are just like these fields or factories full of animals and flowers for Valentine's Day. It's like, is, do you have any insight into that or is it kind of like closed doored? Yeah, um, I would say there are like factories. I think that's something that's probably a little bit more overseas. I know in like the ne Netherlands, there's like a lot more like tissue culture going on, which is like the scientific method of uh, propagating or recreating houseplants or plants in general, but they use it a lot for houseplants. Um, in America, it's definitely more of just like a nursery thing. Like people are getting in their plugs that they're purchasing from these factories that are creating these tissue culture plants. They're potting them in their four, six, eight inch pots and they are just letting them grow out from there in their nurseries. Uh, it can be in Florida. There's places I used to buy from in Canada even. So, you know what I mean? It's shocking that there's be like, you know, a lot of plants grown up there, but they do. <laughs> a lot of plants come from Canada. So a lot of cool ones. Okay, cool. Yeah. Awesome. So they're growing them in greenhouses. Though. They're growing them in greenhouses. Yes. And outside, okay. outside too, like uh, under shade cloths in like Florida. 
Oh, I wow. see. Like they are outside, but they have like a controlled environment. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Remember, you had looked into that research about like how solar panels and plants can work together. Like the solar panels can provide like certain types of shade. Yeah, yeah. There's like there's certain crops that they think will grow even better right directly underneath solar panels, and then also help with the energy efficiency of the solar panels. That is so interesting. Maybe not. I know. Plants, I don't know. It's probably like it was not house like plants. Crops. It was actually like tomato yeah. plants. It was like oh, it was wow. like they were trying to figure out how to you know, farm both the sun's energy and farm for like vegetation and food. That really cool. makes me really curious as somebody who owns so many houseplants, are you interested in like gardening? Like, would you ever own like a tomato plant for it's, you know what I mean? Like the way it looks or does that feel like it's too much work or maybe not the right environment? Well, um, I did that when I was younger. That's how I got into plants. But I think why I'm so into houseplants now is because it's just not really like uh, feasible for me in the city. Like I have a very small outdoor space. We have a courtyard like shared with my two neighbors, but um, uh, it's just so heavily shaded and it's all the buildings right. and stuff. Like it's just not something like I could probably grow like heavy, heavy shade stuff, but like I just right. throw my houseplants out there. So um, one day, but honestly, I think I'm a city boy, so I think I'm going to be here for a pretty long time. So I don't <laughs> think I'm going to have that kind of space, but I'm not not down with it. Like You're not, <laughs> you're not like, against. You're not anti. Yes, no. Anti-vegetation. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Uh, the last thing I wanted to talk about, I have a few more like final questions, but I wanted to bring up like the question for all of us just to answer is like the environmental impact of like people being so much more curious. Like obviously there is this idea of it is so nice. Like as we bring plants into even our own home, I've felt like more connected to nature and you become more present and aware of those things. I think at least that's like anecdotally how I feel, but I was just trying to like look into it, trying to figure out what, especially these companies, like the criticisms were that, you know, you're adding a lot of like plant miles, like having to travel from different places, um, you know, every time someone orders a plant, like putting it on a truck or putting it wherever and traveling it across the world, uh, apparently like plastic pots are not often recyclable though. Now we know we can probably just like use those and not have to destroy them. But you know what I mean? You get those plastic pots, they're either black or they're contaminated and not recyclable. And the last thing was peat. I didn't, I don't know much about peat, you know, like, I guess it's like a material that you use to help plants grow. Is that yes. what that is? Yes. Peat um, but it was like, that can take, uh, thousands of years to form. It's just like decomposed plant matter but the industry can like extract 500 years worth of growth in a year. So obviously as this industry for houseplants booms and I, I don't know if peat is used in like re regular vegetation or if it just is like, like in the houseplant industry, it was interesting. I, I, I feel like plants can bring so much awareness to people, not so much awareness, but at least sort of like a cognitive connection to nature, especially if you're not in a city where you have access. But obviously I was like, just trying to think like, how can it be a sustainable industry or one day will we be like, oh my God, the plant industry is also destroying the earth, which would feel very ironic. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, things that I try to do, like when I was a buyer, I went out of my way to buy local. I had three people that I bought from that were within like 50 miles. So that was really important to me. Of course, every now and again, I would truck in something from Florida and truck in something from Canada, just kind of like, you know, keep things fresh because business, but right. people want like, yeah. Yeah. But I did, was very mindful trying to keep everything as local as possible. All of our Oil was local. So that was things that, you know, as a small business, I really wanted to like kind of play into. Uh, I like that you said the peat thing. That is something that is uh, kind of not really known about a lot. And honestly, I don't think I know even as much as I should know about that. But 
It is a, a mind resource. That it's mined from bogs, and it is yeah. something in all all-purpose soil. And a lot of people are trying to switch over to either growing plants um, hydroponically or semi-hydroponics. They call it, which is like with leka pebbles, which is like a, a puffed um, aggregate, like kind of like clay sort of thing. It's, it looks like cocoa puffs. So you can grow plants in that. And then cocoa coir, coconut coir, is much more um, resourceful than uh, peat, which is another like, thing that you wow. can literally just replace your peat mm -hmm. with and okay. i'm guilty i don't really go out of my way to do it and it's something i should do because i'm just so used to just buying a big bag of potting soil right, when the i the way that it is yeah, yeah. and so i wait hydroponics is that when you grow like just in water or without soil just in water um so you you it, it is soilless in water so technically if you're just like putting like a pothos cutting in a jar of water that's hydroponics in a sense so okay yeah <laughs> right but um, i think it's really easy to grow plants hydroponically because they don't have all that heavy soil to just kind of wither away in if you rot them so right, tip, like i think we might have talked about this but um if you have a really dark corner you can just plop like a cutting in water and it'll do 10 times better than if you were to throw oh, it in a pot wow. in a dark corner because the wow. soil does what i literally have no idea this is just okay, something just i have learned from my experience okay oh my gosh it's just really that. interesting it's kind of not what you would think uh -huh. well they don't wow. seem to rot like if you're changing the water out every like month or two right. people probably say once a week that you should but i do like every couple months and it just seems to take care of itself versus you know in soil it can dry out or be too wet for too long and the roots just kind of seem to acclimate but are you going to have a luscious plant no but i've had like a little pothos <laughs> cutting up on one of my dark shelves that has looked exactly the same for three years, and uh, okay. it's and it very stays much alive. In, like, the would you ever transfer wow. a hydroponic plant to, into soil one day? You could. Um, you would probably want to do that within like six months, or maybe like a year, just because those roots are different. They're because okay. you know they're the way they grow. Yes, they're not soil roots, so they would have to readjust. So if your plant's like overgrown in water, it's something that I you know probably not the best yeah. thing to do. That's so interesting. I I mean I get what you're saying. But the environmental impacts because it just feels like, you know, well, like a big question for me. I was like, yeah, I, like I've never thought about what goes in, even just that question about the industry, like being like, yeah. I have, I'm so blind to like where our how is or even come the from? cell. Like, it's interesting. We live in Toronto where there are so many local plant stores. So we just go to our local plant store to buy yeah. them. But it's like I never really thought about how there could even be a website like the cell and in such an industry around this. But obviously, if it's taking off and one point eight billion dollar industry like that's pretty <laughs> incredible i just have yeah. this thing though where i'm like so many things have such an economic and like like cost to our planet it just is like it's, it's so it feels measure. like so like want want to go in hard on them no, like, I know. Yeah. Of, all, of all the industries it feels yeah. like the one to be like it's probably we shouldn't focus on this one but first. but it's always important to think about those things yeah i think about like conservationism like a lot of these plants are things that could be extinct in the wild and hopefully that's not because people were poaching them but you know <laughs> th th things like that i think is kind of fun <laughs> to just like enjoy growing them <laughs> you know it's definitely always a bad thing that you can think about for yeah the cost bad of things for one truly thing, everything but, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But. anything um i i like do you have any more plant advice questions no no go it i can see i your just wanted to know good. like okay a couple like last minute blast questions like yeah. what are your most hated plants <gasps> oh my gosh <laughs> i did a whole video about plants i don't like um i think <laughs> I my <laughs> My least. You think he was gonna be I like, I, I, like I can't 
possibly you're like well i've actually gone in hard and done how many ones i yeah i i definitely have plants i don't like i just think a lot of plants are overrated and that people are just kind of like sheep when it comes to a lot of these plants i hate to say it but there's one in particular (laughs) it's called the philodendron birkin i feel like i drag the hell out of this thing on my channel all the time but it's a plant that was literally manufactured to be like popular and expensive i mean they called it birkin like a birkin bag is it literally birkin like a birkin bag yeah yeah oh my god barf me up to carolina right and it's so (laughs) stupid because it looks like this house plant that it it looks like a philodendron congo which is like a five dollar plant and then uh it looks also like a canna lily which is also like a five dollar plant mixed into one and it's just like they tried but they failed but they're just like oh let's just slap birkin on it and just see if people like oh my god the (laughs) cat next thing you know the cadillac the tesla oh my god (laughs) oh my god so that's like my 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 most hated house plant there are some others too that i think are a little overrated like alocasia and stuff elephant ears which are just like not suitable for indoor growth it's like a patio plant but people are like freaking out over these little ones that are like four inches tall and cost them like 150 dollars like i just i don't get it like i'm an enthusiast i'm i think a lot of people get into like you know it's because it's trendy a lot of people get into this right. like knee deep with like i need rare plants and i need, like the rare or the most expensive thing and i feel like those are the people who are going to fall out of this within like a year yeah, or two they just get excited by that and you had kind of pointed out <laughs> in one of your videos i watch how often like plants start out as really expensive but then when they become the trend suddenly it's like they're not worthless but it's like well, they start out expensive yes the philodendron birkin went back once upon a time it cost like 150 dollars <laughs> but i would be selling them for like 12 15 dollars when i left the house plant wow. store back in october so it's like Within a year, it just took a plummet. Also, another great example of that is the Pilea pepperomioides, if you guys are familiar with that. They call it the friendship or the pancake plant as well. And I think that, we have one of those, yeah. Ah, they're super <laughs> cute. But um, they used to cost a lot of money, once again. Not like as ex- exponential as a lot of the things now, because plants just did not cost a lot of money like three or four years ago. Uh, but still, like a little two-inch pot would go for like fifty dollars, which nowadays <gasps> that's something that would sell for like two fifty. Yeah. Wow, so. I love that plant. Yeah, it's cute. They're it's super cute. cute, but they just weren't available on in our continent. Like they were grown in Europe, and mm, right. they were mass produced over there, but it just wasn't something that was in the American market. And so that's once it hit, it was like a slow trickle. So. <laughs> <laughs> I love that one. That literally is my Birkin right now. And they are so cheap. Our corner store has them, and they are like literally a few bucks for like a a little. I one. can't believe they call to plant a Birkin and sold it for a bunch of money and now it's worthless. <laughs> I know, isn't that so funny? Literally, it's it had it so coming. Literally, like, it's capitalism in a nutshell. Yeah, yeah literally. Let's find a way to make this so expensive and then in five years, everyone will feel like that's literally worthless. I hope that happens to Birkin bags. <laughs> I hope that everyone just like gets embarrassed and we're like, wow, look at that trash and expensive bag. Uh, okay, my last question, and I think you just had a video on this so you can lean off of that, but like, what do you see as the biggest trends for 2021 or the plants that are kind of like up and coming slash hot? <laughs> oh, well, that's a good question. I felt like my video that I talked about that recently was about plants that would be like on the market, but I don't think they're ones that necessarily will be popular. Okay. Um, oh my gosh, that is such a good question. I have not thought about that. And I'm like scanning around the room trying to like, find a possible <laughs> answer to this. Um, I don't like, know. Is it like in the plant industry, do you feel like it's like, um, 
I feel like, you know, when you're in the fashion industry and all these, like, it's like the certain communities get it first and are like so excited. And then eventually it's just like everywhere. And in it's some like, design circles, like colors, like what colors mm. come in and out of fashion are like chosen. Like, like they actually decide like this, like and then millennial you see pink. That scale down, yeah. Like, throughout the years. Yeah. So there's not a larger resource deciding like which is the Birkin of the year. <laughs> no, no. And I almost wonder sometimes, like, I don't think so, but I wonder if it's like plant influencers like me who almost like set the trend sometimes which right. i hope not because that's not <laughs> what i want but i just want people to like what they like but sometimes i just hope that you know or i wonder i hope i was gonna say i hope not not that i hope i wonder if they're like looking at these plants and being like i want that because i just want to share information but i would don't want people to see 10 plants and then suddenly want to buy 10 plants because they saw them oh. on the video right that's that's not. interesting that's <laughs> yeah. so interesting we find out that you're actually the person deciding the trends and you don't even realize <laughs> <laughs> well if it, you know it could work to your favor i know that i'm not trying to throw shade and i'm not going to say any names but there are a lot of like other houseplant influencers who have their own like online stores so they're probably just like i have this plant right. and wow. you can buy this can on my shop yeah. for 55 dollars okay, <laughs> you can name names on this podcast no, oh i'm no, not community. Tell us Start a drama in the plant community. Oh my gosh, I am like the black sheep. I mean, like that's very. I think that's very endearing to call me the black sheep, actually. But myself, but I just don't talk to anybody. I like don't speak to anybody. I think I told you, Mitch. I'm like so nervous of being so lame. Like I think houseplants are so lame, and I get worried that like a lot of the people who like are into them or late. I don't know. Like I'm mean, all my no. friends are cool. Uh, but I get so scared. Yeah, no. I get so scared no, it's sometimes. Fair. Like I think it's a fair like assessment. Like we talk about influencers, we talk about YouTubers and like as a breed you find cool ones every now and then but there's lots of people out there that are can be super cringy and so I, I would imagine in your own community you'd be like, are these people just trying to capitalize on this? Are they genuinely into plants? But I'm sure there are like the ones out there that are actually Cool. And yeah. Meet oh, them yeah. One day. I'll find them. I'll find like, them. Like, or, maybe not. A couple. or maybe not. Or maybe they <laughs> maybe are maybe all literally. Lame. I mean, I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I can count on one hand the influencers I've met that I'm like, you're actually a normal person, <laughs> <laughs> and you're one of them. Uh, well, thank you. Yes, I'm. I promise, I'm chill. I'm gonna hang out and smoke some weed and have a couple margaritas tonight. <laughs> oh so. my gosh! Yeah, oh, I have dream. to tell our audience what happened. Like, we had filmed our video last time, and then at the end, can I drag you with this? Yeah. Like, it's okay if I tell. This. At yeah. the end, Nick messaged me. He was like, "I accidentally bumped the camera, and so for like the last part of the video, you can just see my roommate's bong sitting in the background." I was like, "That's Wait, I totally think we're okay. okay today. I think I'm our channel them. is very, you know, 420 friendly. Our podcast, oh, Greg is Greg is very 420 friendly. Oh, oh wow, throw me under the 420. <laughs> act like you are. I'm not saying I'm not. I'm just like you are. Yeah. Recently, we were reading a book about changing habits, and it was like the first thing you need to do is change your cultural identity and I'm like well I actually really like being a stoner so I guess I'm not giving it like, like, I was just like culturally it's like I like it so maybe that's my main issue if I ever I don't think you have stop. to change anything yeah I know oh, I know I'm yeah. like guess that habit's not going we'll do, move on to something else um well Nick thank you so much for coming on the podcast where can people find you you can find me on YouTube slash whatever link you include with this podcast <laughs> I will give it to you. It's Nick Pelleggi Plants. <laughs> and I'm at Philly Foliage on Instagram. Wait, I bet, what is it? Philly Foliage? Philly Foliage. Like, Wait, spell I live in Philadelphia. 
Okay. Phil, it's like, it's okay. like if, if, if I was going to have a brand one day, that's my brand. Philly yeah, okay. okay. Philly Foliage. Right. Is the foliage a PH? No. Oh, my God. Uh, Greg, he's yeah. not supposed to ask me that. And, and then <laughs> no. It be, and no, no, no. I wouldn't have liked that. Like I wouldn't have liked that. It's an F. Yeah, no, no. It's the way it should be. It's F. It's the way it should be. That's what I'm saying. If you had said it was PH, I would have been like, embarrassing mistake. Oh, that would just mean that I didn't get there soon enough and I lost the URL. <laughs> uh, well, we really appreciate all of your advice. Um, Thank thanks you. for being on the pod. Thanks for making the video with me. I'm excited for it to come out. I'm about to drill holes in the bottom of all my pods. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> this weekend, Greg's definitely just going to be like, <laughs> like freaking out. It's like, oh have gosh, you ever used fine. a drill? We you're don't know fine. how to use a drill in this house. <laughs> um, yeah, thanks a lot. And we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, everyone else, for listening. Hashtag Silent Podcast. If you want to talk about plants with us, if you want to tweet or Instagram Nick and ask your questions, I'm going to put them out there that he can answer them for you because <laughs> we certainly can't. Uh, and we will talk to you guys next week. Peace. Bye. Yeah. That was so much yeah. fun. Oh, my God. Thanks. Yeah. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.